Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, and welcome back to OsteoCast, the podcast about osteopathy and functional anatomy. Your hosts here, Colby, Amanda, and myself, Sarah. How's it going, everybody? Good morning. So today we are going to talk about following our hands during treatment and also how do we know where to go throughout the treatment process when we are providing a manual osteopathic treatment to our clients. So I would say following your hands is something we get told a lot uh, throughout our education in school. And then as you leave school and you're on your own in your clinic, it's definitely a phrase that continuously repeats in your mind. It's something that takes a lot of time to figure out how to find those velvety hands or hands that are soft enough that you can feel with under the tissue and then hard enough that you are going to... Uh, make a change the way you want to make a change. Of course, hard meaning different types of pressure, different pressure points, depending uh, what you are treating and what you are planning to change or affect in the body. So for myself, um, anytime I find that I'm getting frustrated in treatment or I'm not getting the results I want to see, just thinking about listening to my hands and following where the body wants you to go in treatment meaning what is the body asking you to do versus what you think the body needs to do is usually 10 out of 10 a good way to kind of get your head back into the treatment table, back into the client's body to figure out what they need and how you can help them get there. Do similar things run through your guys' mind regarding kind of the following your hands and if you're getting frustrated in treatment, how to go back to uh, listening to what the client's body needs versus kind of what you want to be treating. Well, I guess uh, for me, this has different uh, connotations to it. Like one is proper palpation, understanding the functional anatomy and how things move. And the other thing is kind of like the intuitive sense that comes with treatment where you're listening to what the body's asking for, where that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a change in uh, tissue texture or a change in a uh, hot or cold, but it's a component of the body's, uh, whether we call it uh, vitality or constitution or energy or whatever you want to say, where the body's asking for a certain uh, kind of treatment based on what it needs opposed to mechanically what's in position, out of position, on tension, off tension, etc. So it happens in treatment all the time for me, especially in the last little while. It's been more of a focus as, as your career goes on and as your uh, practice goes on and your focus goes on, you start to consider different things in treatment instead of sticking purely to, say, a mechanical model where you're trying to treat through uh, structural bony changes and or muscular tension, uh, fascial tension, et cetera. You're looking for what the body is, is asking for essentially what it's, what it's looking for, for the treatment process, which sometimes comes in the, the fact of, um, muscular tension or mechanical component. And sometimes it comes in kind of like a slow impulse or pulsation or pulsation that comes as well. And seeing where that level of, of pulsation or impulse or whatever we want to call it is getting restricted sometimes is, 
uh, how it works for me anyways with following my hands is it's like, hey, what does this body want to do? It's let your hands lay still. You're not pushing or pulling or augmenting anything. And it's just like, okay, this is where it wants to go. So you take it where it wants to go. And that would be the indirect component of it. I mean, sometimes you take it where it wants to go and you can only go so far until you have to turn it around and go the other way. Yeah. But listening to what it's asking for opposed to saying, oh, this shoulder should be higher or this shoulder should be forward or this rib should be up or down and then trying to make a change to correct that rib or shoulder, et cetera. It almost sounds like you're unwinding the tissues, right? Just what you said, following them where they want to go to that point and then reassessing or seeing where they take you next and whether that's an indirect unwind to direct or um, sometimes it's also something that you can't really put a label on or give a mechanical term to because it's just your intuition taking over. Yeah, it's getting more into the um, fluid body and or like craniosacral field, like getting into the uh, Dr. Becker, Dr. Sutherland, Dr. Jealous work, just a little bit different level of, of intuition with the body and a little bit better or a little different level of communication with the body than the standard mechanical components that we often rely on. I find too, when you really pay attention to those things that treatment often runs a lot smoother and the body does a lot better. Oh yeah. In terms of holding on to treatment, um, or making those changes. So it, but to your point earlier, it does take a little bit to get there. Right. I mean, I think we've all gone through different aspects of our career where we were focused on one piece of the puzzle or one part or, you know, making the structural change and making that there. And I think we've all kind of evolved into a different realm of treatment at this point now that we've been out of practice for a little while or sorry, out of school for a little while and and in practice. I think it's important that everyone, like as you're going through your educations and as you're practicing to keep in mind the the mechanical components of, of treatment and that component being the, the base of what your education comes on and the base of how the body works, because that's going to make changes um, regardless of, of focuses or how things are changing. But Exactly. As you said, Amanda, things progress. And when you read some of the other authors uh, like Becker or Jealous or Sutherland, they get into it, like they're set suggesting that you need at least five years of focus practice in that work before you'll have an understanding of how it works. So it's not something that comes where it's like, hey, I'm going to start doing this tomorrow. And it's something that I've just started in the last year or so playing with or working or having more focus on. But it's, uh, it's definitely something that you require more patience under your hands to be able to start to feel those things. One, because your hands have to develop enough that you can feel it and taking your, when I say your hands have to develop, the sensitivity of your hands has to change because over time your what you can feel with your hands will change from, Hey, this is a body to, Hey, these are uh, fascia and muscles and bones and going through the layers of tissues and then trying to understand, Hey, you know, the pulse, like the blood flow to this area is better or worse that your hands progress over time and they have to have enough progression at some point to feel these, these minute changes that you're looking for in order to guide the body into those regions or into those areas. It's, and it's just like when you're learning, learning osteopathy in school or learning anatomy, right? You have to layer those pieces on to be able to have an understanding and a feel for what those things are. So um, without that base knowledge and without those years in practice to begin with and the mechanical side of things and having a really good understanding of that, this stuff wouldn't come more naturally or would be harder for you to feel because your hands aren't developed enough. Um, You don't have the sensitivity awareness for these things to be, you know, at your forefront. 
so that initial practice or that initial um, part of your your schooling, but also your early years in practice is is very much about the mechanical side. And developing the palpation of your hands, like you just said, Amanda. Mm-hmm. We all have different stages and different uh, treatment process that we have to go through to kind of there's not really an end result. There's always going to be more we can do, more we can improve. We're going to always try to find a better way to do something. How can we be more um, efficient on our bodies as practitioners and then as well in the treatment process for the patient? So Colby, I was going to ask you, um, some clients I find understand the intuitive process and are very open to treatment and other clients think more mechanically, right? So they want to understand mechanically what you're doing. Uh, Even let's say you're working on the more intuitive side or getting more into the cranial sacral field. So how do you find um, those questions come about for you as well? How do you find answering those questions or dealing with your greatest skeptics in the clinic? Well, the first thing to take note of or for me to say on that is um, your patients are going to require treatment regardless of what the treatment is. Um, and as a practitioner, it's up to you to develop yourself and work through different treatment modalities or different things to become a, a better and more true practitioner. So ultimately, your clinic is going to be what you want it to be as a practitioner. And if that's what you choose it to be, then it can be that way. Obviously, there's some explanation and some trust that has to go on both sides from the practitioner as well as the patients. But that's one thing I always want to mention is as a practitioner, don't don't let your patients guide what your clinic is because what your clinic is, is is based on you and your development and people will be there for treatment as long as you're helping people and it can be on all different kinds of levels. Um, now, when you're having that or when I'm having that conversation with a patient who's asking, um, for me in my case right now, new brand new patients coming into the clinic, um, they don't know any different because that's the treatment that's coming to them, whether it's uh, partly mechanical, partly intuitive, completely intuitive, completely mechanical, whatever they receive when they come in is, is what I'm doing right now in treatment and where my development's at, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And then other patients that have been for a while or have been here for, you know, three or four or five treatments or whatever that may be. Um, it's just, it's a simple conversation. It's just like, Hey man, like I've been studying this for you know, six months or for a year and I'm implementing it with my patients and I found that it's more effective and it's less work for your body to get better results, um, less aggressive treatment, better changes and more long-term and more effective changes. And and people are often very open to that. There's always going to be some people that are like, no, I need you to twist me up into a pretzel. And then as a practitioner, that's up to you to decide, well, do you twist them up into the pretzel and make them feel happy about it? Or if it's not going to work anymore because your kind of treatment has changed and they're looking for a certain uh, feeling versus the response, which is two different things, right? Like the response to treatment is what we're looking for. And if they're looking for the process of treatment, then that patient and the practitioner may no longer work well together and you may have to refer out to someone else or, or change that process. So that's where I'm at on that. It's like you have the conversation to tell them that it's a progression in your education and thought process and and things are going to get better. And if they don't like how that's going to work, then unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't work. Unless, of course, as a practitioner, you're okay with just doing what your people want, which (laughs) I'm not. No, 
And that's also not how you're going to develop too as a practitioner, but that was well said, Coley. Thank you. No, we just, and we just talked about what the body needs versus what it wants. Right. And it's like, we got to give the body what it needs. We're not doing what the patient wants. That's what the patient needs is what we're trying to do. So. And just communicating that. And like you said, most people will be on board and the odd person will um, happily go to someone else. Yeah. And you, and you just, you know, you have a little referral network for people that are like that, that are, that you can refer to, but I think it's important that you explain that to them and they might ask like, what are you doing or why is this working? And then that's a whole different conversation based on your understanding of where it's at and why, you know, what seems like almost nothing (laughs) makes massive changes, which is crazy, but uh, like really cool. But yeah, it's a, it's a conversation that you kind of have to go through it as a practitioner in your own experience to be able to, to have that discussion. It's definitely a, a form of treatment that has been proven over time in the osteopathic field anyways. I wouldn't say, um, I don't even know what, what research is present on it. I'm just reading through osteopathic texts and books um, that, have, that has had some great results. And there's a lot of practitioners in history as well as now that use it and have great results with it. Um, but it's something that takes time to develop and move into. And it's for me anyways, right now, so frustrating to, to change that. So it's good. I think it's important as a practitioner though, too, to make sure that you've, you, you're comfortable with, um, the readings or the, the research or the, you know, the practice that you've done up until a point prior to implementing it with patients so that you have, I don't want to say practice, but you, you have an understanding of how to explain it to them if they start asking questions. Like it's not just something well, you, you read about to. and then the next day you go and implement, right? Yeah, you It's have like, to. there's got to be some kind of discussion, whether it's with colleagues, whether it's reflection among yourself after you've read something um, or test something out on, you know, a treatment exchange with someone that you know, or maybe another colleague. Um, But it's not just something that you just go and change and implement and figure it out as you go, right? Like, this is when we talk about practicing this and learning new skill sets, like that's a huge part of implementing a new skill set. Well, like to speak directly to that, it's been eight, nine months since starting to uh, explore it in readings and application. I mean, for a chunk of that, we were stuck in lockdown. So it was just uh, my wife and my dog getting treated. <laughs> um, and then with some colleagues that I had have done some work with as well. And after like six or seven months of reading and at-home application and reflection, I finally felt that I was ready to bring it into the treatment room. And then you bring it into the treatment room. because obvi- And then obviously the results and the education component, the application component of it increases tenfold because of the amount of patients that you're seeing. Yeah. But I agree 100%, Amanda. You have to have some level of um, efficacy to what you're learning and what you're trying to implement before you bring it in and, and you know, charge money and time to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. And being able to communicate what you're doing is very important as well for patient education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, goes back to our topic today too, about trusting your hands and following what it needs and doing all those things, right? You need to have that understanding for yourself and you're, you need to have practiced that or applied that um, prior to and develop that skill before you bring that into the, into the clinic setting. Uh, it's, osteopathy has all different kinds of, of layers and levels. 
And I think that listening to the patient's body is kind of the truest form of it. But yeah. it's like, there's, if you look at worldwide and through all the different kinds of courses and education you can do, there's everything from purely mechanical adjusting and cracking bones from fascia to muscular, to circulation, to visceral, to craniosacral. There's like one spectrum of just purely mechanical cracking bones and the other spectrum of full blown, um, like energy work. And I think that it's important to have some understanding at all levels and find out what works for you, but that entire spectrum, as long as it's legally applicable in your region, like obviously here in Canada, we can't crack, so we're not doing any HVLA or anything like that. But the entire spectrum of treatment is all osteopathy. One is one piece, whether it's craniosacral osteopathic care or if it's um, mechanical care, neither of them is more osteopathy or more osteopathic than the other. But having an understanding of each of those tools and regions and which patients and times it's important to use in, I think is where real osteopathy comes into play. And if you neglect any of those things without at least exploring it in readings and, and some application, then you're missing out on components of it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well said. I always want to be improving and pushing your boundaries as a practitioner because that's the only way you're going to get better and open up this big bucket of what Colby's talking about, osteopathy. There's so many cool components. For sure. And that's why we got into this profession because we wanted a profession where we would never be bored and always have something to learn yeah. and to help people. But I personally didn't want to sit at a desk. It just wasn't for me. So what can I do that involves a bit more movement in my day and uh, a different type of thinking process? Well, and to bring this back like full circle to the topic today, like feeling feeling the patient's body and feeling palpating and feeling what's going on is going to guide treatment and whatever level you're at is where it's at whether that's you know at the point in time where it's purely like hey the shoulder's down and it should be up okay what can we do to do that or this hip is rotated and this uh hip is side bent this way so how can we correct that versus talking about blood flow or visceral control or whatever other level or, or increasing complication you get into but the point is whatever level you're at instead of forcing things into the body and saying hey the shoulder's up let's push the shoulder down it's like well why is that shoulder up and what does the body want and sometimes you'll see that change in i'm just talking about the shoulder girdle for now but you'll see a change in that t-line and you'll go through your assessment and the body's asking for treatment you know say at d9 and d10 or like the lower portion of the thoracic vertebra and those ribs and you go to that area and you do some muscular work and some fascial work and all of a sudden that shoulder levels out it's not because you gotta force the body to make change but you gotta find what it's looking for what it's asking for and make that change there whether it's on a mechanical level or visceral or craniosacral or whatever exactly so important to assess the whole body and treat it like a whole and figure out what's moving and what's not so that treatment can be treatment can be applied appropriately so that lasting changes are made. And listening to your clients, I find quite a few of my clients come in with their own intuition of what's going on with their body. So as a practitioner, just being open-minded to listening to um, their symptomology or what they believe is happening with their body and um, versus kind of, you know, dropping the ego aside, thinking you know what's happening and just using their wisdom as a tool in your toolbox to help you 
um, unravel that puzzle and get to the bottom line of how you can help them feel better and get things moving the way they should be. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to add on this topic? I think we've covered a lot. No, I think that's good. I know we kind of jumped from topic to topic and jumped around, but I think that's uh, I think that's a good day. I think that uh, there's a lot of information there for someone to unpack, depending on how uh, how deep they want to take that for their own personal growth. Well, you know where to find us um, on Instagram at osteocast underscore or Facebook at osteocast. Um, you can reach out and send us a message if you have any questions, um, concerns, comments, questions. Um, We want to hear from you so we can answer um, anything and everything you want to know about osteopathy. So with that being said, we'll sign off. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Listen to your hands.